Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study, a Bible class for everybody uh, who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. And we know that there are people even in the Omaha area who cannot be with us for various reasons at the times we come together for our worship services and Bible studies, but they want to be in God's Word. And we know that there are people in other parts of the country and literally around the world who listen to our podcasts, to our Bible studies, our teachings, but obviously because of where they live, they cannot be with us in person either. And so we're thankful to have the ability and the opportunity, opportunity and the means to be able to teach God's word on such a widespread basis throughout wherever the internet is available through that medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful that you're there and that you want to be in God's word, that you want to study, that you want to learn more of what the scriptures teach. And that's important because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So we're thankful to have this opportunity and ability and the means to be able to help you learn God's word better. Now, we encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. And also, take advantage yourself, but also tell others to go to our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. And when you sign up for our podcasting, you'll automatically receive to your smartphone or computer or whatever smart device you choose our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a Monday through Friday daily radio program called Search the Scriptures, and a seven-day-a-week, now that's every day of the week, a short Bible class that we call today's Bible class, usually only about 13 or 14 minutes long, but it's every single day keeping us in God's Word. And again, that's important for our faith. So take advantage of this yourself and tell everybody else you can to do so as well. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Judges. And we left off last time at not only an interesting place in the history of, of the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, but I guess we could say a rather puzzling place as well because of how a certain tribe within the nation of Israel was responding to a horrible, sinful act on the part of some of its brothers. We're talking about the tribe of Benjamin. Now, historically, we, we normally think of the tribe of Benjamin as being the smallest of all the tribes of Israel. But I don't know that it was always that way, necessarily. And probably, almost certainly, not small to the degree that it became as a result of this particular setting and this particular situation in its history. Now, we remember that there was there was a man who came, he was traveling, and he came to a uh, particular city within the tribe of Israel. There, again, the, the nation of or the geographic nation of Israel had been divided into inheritances. 
given to the to the to the to the twelve tribes, and so those twelve tribes, each one they lived within their particular section of the whole country as 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 a whole at or at large, and so Benjamin had their section, and so this particular man he was traveling with a servant and also with his concubine, and they came to a particular city one evening and. They kind of, you know, pulled in there, and they're going to spend the night there. And one of the men of the city took them in, and it says in verse 22 of chapter 19 of Judges, as they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city, perverted men, now notice, perverted men, there's no question about this, from God's perspective, in God's eyes, what was the the spiritual character the sinfulness of these men. Certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man saying, bring out the man who came to your house that we may know him carnally. In other words, they were saying, we've heard, we know there is a stranger in your house. Bring him out. Uh, We want to abuse him sexually. Now, these are men asking the owner of that house, one of their fellow citizens, to bring out that man who, whom, who was lodging with him that night. And, and this would have been historically and, and character-wise on the part of the Israelites to bring somebody into your home, a stranger traveling, you bring him home, you take care of him. This would have been a serious matter just from that perspective, but from a, from a spiritual perspective, even more so, bring him out, turn him out to us, because we want to have our way with him sexually. But the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, no, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly, seeing this man has come into my house. Do not commit this outrage. Look, here is my virgin daughter. Now, this is how deeply this kind of hospitality or or taking care of a stranger in your house was seen in the culture of that day by the Israelites. Now, we would look at it and say, wait, 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 you're not going to turn the man out, but you're going to send your virgin daughter out that they may abuse her sexually? See, that, that would just, to us, it would make no sense whatsoever. But of course, women were not held in the same esteem as culturally as our as our culture you know sees them today but anyway you know this here's my virgin daughter and the man's concubine let me bring them out now humble them he's, he's saying you know have your way with them and do with them as you please but to this man do not do such a vile thing now the men they did not want that but ultimately Ultimately, the man took his concubine and brought her out to them, and then you heard abused her all night until morning, and when the day began to break, they let her go. Now, she died. They basically raped her to death. Now, again, that is a heinous, not only crime, but heinous, wicked sin. Again, we might look at the man whose concubine or whose concubine she was and we might say you know how can we not point fingers at him but we're talking about a different culture in a different day in a different part of the world 
But the woman died. His concubine died. And so <clears throat> took her back home. And then verse 30 says, and so it was that all who saw it said, well, let me go back to verse 29. When he entered his house, he took a knife, laid hold of his concubine, and divided her into 12 pieces, limb by limb, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. Again, this is hard for us to imagine. But he was trying to get across a visual, a graphic visual message to the rest of the tribes, to all the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes. Here are pieces of my concubine. Now, why am I sending you pieces? Because I want you to understand what happened in Gibeah within the tribe of Benjamin, what perverted men did to my concubine. And they wanted to do basically to me what they did to her. And so it was that all who saw it said, no such deed has been done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up from the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it. Confer and speak up. And so he's calling for a response from the, basically the nation of Israel as a whole. Think about what, this, what, what these men have done. Talk about it. Speak up. What's going to be the response of the nation as a whole? The rest of the tribes. So we come to chapter 20. <clears throat> and, and here is the response of the rest of the nation of Israel, the rest of the tribes. So all the children of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba. When you say from Dan to Beersheba, you're basically talking about from the north to the south. And the congregation gathered together as one man, before the Lord at Mizpah. So probably we're talking about the men of the different tribes came together at Mizpah. And the leaders of all the people, all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had, had gone up to Mizpah. Then the children of Israel said, Tell us, how did this wicked deed happen? So apparently there were representatives from the tribe of Benjamin who came. And so the rest of the Israelite, the men from the rest of the Israelite tribe said, tell us, how did this deed happen? So the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, my concubine and I went into Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin, to spend the night. And the men of Gibeah arose against me and surrounded the house at, at night because of me. They intended to kill me, but instead they ravished my concubine so that she died. Now, the text does not indicate that he <laughs> included the part where he, he sent his concubine out. So I took hold of my concubine, cut her in pieces, and sent her throughout the territory of the inheritance of Israel because they committed lewdness and outrage in Israel. Look, all of you are children of Israel. Give your advice and counsel here and now. What should we do? So all the people arose as one man saying, none of us will go to his tent, nor will any turn back to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against her 
uh, against it by Lot, the city of Gibeah within the tribe of Benjamin, in other words. We will take 10 men out of every 100 throughout all the tribes of Israel, 100 out of every 1,000, 1,000 out of every 10,000, to make provisions for the people. But when they come to Gibeah in Benjamin, they may repay all the vileness that they have done in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united together as one man. Then the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has occurred among you? Now, therefore, deliver up the men that perverted the perverted men. Notice the word again, the perverted men. Perverted. We're not talking about uh, just sexual preference here. We're talking about perverted men and more literally sons of Belial. In other words, these are evil men. Therefore, deliver up the men, the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. Instead, the children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to do battle against the children of Israel. Now, you're talking about 400,000 men from the rest of the tribes, warriors have come together. They're not attacking all of the nation, all, all of the tribe of Benjamin. Initially, they're going to that one city where this horrible, heinous, evil, sinful act took place. And they're calling to the, to the, to the rest of the people of, of the men of, of Benjamin send these men out to us. They deserve to be executed for the evil that they have done. And you might think they brought really disgrace and shame upon all of the tribe of Benjamin. And so what is the response of the Benjamites? They do not send the men out to be judged. They do not say, no, we're not going to send them out to you. We know how horrible it is what they did. And we will bring judgment upon them ourselves. We'll take care of it. We'll bring them to justice. They don't say that. Instead, all of the warriors of Benjamin go to the city of Gibeah, where these men were. And they're going to stand in battle array against all of the rest of their Israelite brethren. There's going to be war, internal war within the nation of Israel. Now, verse 15, from their cities at that time, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah who numbered 700 select men. So they are seeing this as basically we're going to protect our city, we're going to protect our people in that city, regardless of what they have done. Now, I think we're to understand that at least one piece of that woman was sent to the tribe of Benjamin. And this is how they respond. No, we're not going to send them out. We're not going to bring judgment upon them ourselves. We're going to defend them. We're going to stand against all the rest of you from all the rest of the tribes of our brethren, the Israelites. 
You see, sometimes pride gets in the way, and sometimes it clouds our judgmental position, uh, uh, vision so that we don't really see the gravity and the magnitude of what a situation might be? How could they defend these men? Could we stop and think that maybe how these men of Gibeah acted was simply a reflection of the rest of the people of, of Benjamin, their tribe? Could that be the case? I mean, we don't know. All we can do is speculate. But we wonder, why did those, why did all the rest of the tribe of Benjamin rally around that, th- those men who committed this horrible, vile, sinful act, evil act? We probably still would be wondering about that today. We're not told. But they upheld evil. That's what they did. They upheld and defended evil. So 400,000 men come against Gibeah, come against Benjamin, and really they're just focusing upon Gibeah, and really they're just focusing upon those men who committed this act. But 26,000 numbered from Benjamin, and another, another 700 from the city of Gibeah, they're outnumbered mightily. Among all this people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. And so perhaps pride in their, in their military prowess or their warrior abilities that they had developed and disciplined themselves to be able to grow to and as far as the ability to defend themselves, to make war on enemies and so on. Maybe that pride got in their way and they thought, yeah, you're not going to take these men. You're not going to come against any of the Benjamites. We're going to, yeah, we are mighty warriors. Maybe they thought we're mightier than you are. But again, how could you defend such an evil act and look yourself in the mirror, so to speak? So, the Benjamin, besides Benjamin, the men of Israel numbered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were men of war. So these were warriors also. They were skilled in warfare. Then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? The Lord said, Judah first. So the children of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against them at Gibeah. Then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. And the people, that is the men of Israel, encouraged themselves again, formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. Then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? 
And the Lord said, go up against them. So the children of Israel approached the, the children of Benjamin on the second day. And Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. All these drew the sword. Then all the children of Israel, that is, all the people, went up and came to the house of God and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening, and they offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before, before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet go up? go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? And the Lord said, go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hands. Now, the text does not tell us how many of the Benjamite warriors were being killed in battle. Obviously, much fewer than of their brother warriors who were coming against them, but they were losing men along the way. It's called, you know, attrition. Yeah, you're, you're winning battles, but you're losing numbers. And ultimately, losing those numbers will tell a tale against you. Verse 29, Then Israel sent men in ambush all around, or set men in ambush all around Gibeah. And the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in battle array against Gibeah as at the other times. So the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. They began to strike down and kill some of the people as at the other times in the highways, one of which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah. And in the field, about 30 men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, they are defeated before us as at first. But the children of Israel said, let us flee and draw them away from the city to the highways. And so they had a battle plan this time that was pretty well devised. So all the, all the men of Israel rose from their place and put themselves in battle array at Baal Tamar. Then, Israel, then Israel's men in ambush burst forth from their position in the plain of Geba. And 10,000 select men from all Israel came against Gibeah, and the battle was fierce. But the Benjamites did not know that disaster was upon them. The Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel, in other words, by God's judgment. And the children of Israel destroyed that day 25,100 Benjamites. All these drew the sword. Now, 25,000, let's see, how many men of war did they have to begin with? 26,000, and then another 700 from Gibeah. 26,700. So after this third day of battle, after this third day of battle, the tribe of Benjamin had lost 25,100. They had less than 2,000 warriors left. So the children of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. The men of Israel had given ground to the Benjamites because they relied on the men in ambush whom they had set against Gibeah. And the men in ambush quickly rushed upon Gibeah, and the men in ambush spread out and struck the whole city with the, with the edge of the sword. Now the appointed signal between the men of Israel and the men in ambush 
was that they would make a great cloud of smoke rise up from the city, whereupon the men of Israel would turn in battle. So in other words, they were deceiving the warriors from Benjamin, drawing them away from the city. All of a sudden, they would turn back on them. Now, Benjamin had begun to strike and kill about 30 men of the men of Israel, for they said, surely they are defeated before us as in the first battle. But when the cloud began to rise from the city in, the, in a column of smoke, the Benjamites looked behind them, and there was a whole city going up in smoke to heaven. They were shocked. And when the men of Israel turned back, the men of Benjamin panicked, for they saw that disaster had come upon them. In other words, they were surrounded. There was no place for them to run. Therefore, they turned their backs before the men of Israel in, in the direction of the wilderness. But the battle overtook them, and whoever came out of the cities, they destroyed in their midst. They surrounded the Benjamites, chased them, easily trampled them, down as far as the front of Gibeah, of Gibeah toward the east. And 18,000 of Benjamin fell. All these were men of valor. Then they turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Rimon, and they cut down 5,000 on the highways. Then they pursued them relentlessly up, up to Gedam and killed 2,000 of them. So all who fell of Benjamin that day were 25,000 men who drew the sword. All these were men of valor. But 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Rimon, and they stayed at the rock of Rimon for four months. Interesting. 600 men. And the men of Israel turned back against the children of Benjamin and struck them down with the edge of the sword from every city, men and beasts, all who were found. They also set fire to all the cities they came to. In other words, God's judgment upon Benjamin and he used the other the rest of the tribes of Israel to bring that judgment upon them was to basically annihilate the Benjamites. Now God would stop at a particular point. The rest of the men, the rest of the men of Israel, they would stop the war at a particular point. But at that point, the people of Benjamin had, bas had basically been devastated, annihilated. And so we can understand from this account how they certainly were seen thereafter, recognized numerically as the smallest of all the tribes of Israel. Now, we might say, why would God allow, not just allow such a thing, why would God basically order such a situation, telling the rest of the tribes of Israel, cut them down. See, we, we let human emotions get in our way when it comes to the horribleness of sin. The horribleness of sin. You look around and you see people 
who hate other people from other countries commit horrible acts. And we excuse that in some situations as, well, they're just acts of war. War is violent. But in other cases, we try to just explain it away, just ignore it, give it a wink and a nod, so to speak, and not hold those who commit those atrocities to account for what they have done. Sin is mankind's greatest problem because the wages of sin is death. Romans 6 and verse 23. But God offers us the way out of that ultimate self-destruction through Jesus Christ. He died on that cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be brought back into a right relationship with God, so that we could look forward with confidence to eternal life with him in heaven. But we have to come to him. We have to repent of our sins. We have to come to God through Jesus for forgiveness as we're baptized into him for the remission of our sins. And we have to take up that new life. We have to let go of the old anger, the old hatred, the old animosity, and all of the excuses that we put forth to try to explain away our guilt of sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 and verse 23. What a horrible, horrible period within the history of the nation of Israel. Sin, and ultimately the devil, was at the base of it. We'll pick up with chapter 31 next time. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for being so patient with us. Father, help us to take sin seriously and to not give it a place in our lives, to not try to explain it away, and certainly to not ignore it. Help us, Father, to come out of sin and into Christ. Help us to be the examples you want us to be to everybody around us, a faithful dedication to you through Jesus. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.